I just like kept throwing my considerable weight against it until it fell over. And there's photographic evidence because all my drunk friends were photographing me attacking this like six foot high metal fence so I could cross the road and get McDonald's at three in the morning. <laughs> Hey guys, happy Tuesday and welcome back to Comes With Baggage. This is Kate. And this is Chris. And yeah, well, hi, how are you? (laughs) I don't know where I was going to go there. We just stalled, it's like deer in the headlights. Uh, I'm good, I'm good. It's been a a pretty decent week here in old Vietnam. Uh, What's been happening? Not a great deal, actually. Not a lot of travel. Had a little uh, minor, like emergency thing this week uh having to take uh, my fiance to a hospital here in in da nang uh to get uh, one of those what are they called um like a birth control implant removed from her arm oh yeah i think it's just yeah, called an like implant a, yeah it's like there's a brand name for it Nexplanon or some yeah. shit but um it had been causing like she's had it for over a year it's been fine but the last couple of months it's been giving her some issues like really sharp pains in her arm and stuff oh no so we we went to the hospital and asked them about removing it and they just no anesthetic no <gasps> like nothing rubbed on the skin oh, just no. scalpel cut and because it had sort of wormed its way in it was kind of deep in her arm they just were like squeezing it like a pimple trying to get it out oh god it was, it was yeah so and they didn't they told me i didn't need to go with her they're like no no you just stay here so i'm sitting out here like playing the sims on my phone and she comes <laughs> out after this traumatic experience so um that was definitely full like bandaged up arm and everything no not even a bandage there's literally a band-aid no cotton bud or anything um <laughs> no antiseptic or anything so i've been rubbing uh neosporin on it and re-band-aiding it every day um so that was fun uh it was a very clean and friendly hospital i'll say that it just just their uh their practices were a little different i mean i can't imagine letting someone come at me with a with a scalpel without any anesthetic on that arm at all maybe they're just a tough people they're just like come on suck it up (laughs) that that is how they won the vietnamese war they just toughed it out um they're like it's just a tiny little thing like suck it up what are you whinging about yeah, they'll be like, my grandmother had to live in tunnels for three years to fight off the Americans. You can survive a scalpel cut. <laughs> um, no, I'm serious. Like, you le- the more you learn about the Vietnam War, the more you realize, like, this is a tough country. Like, they they would have done anything to win, and that was the big difference, you know? Yeah. Like, you had people hundreds of miles, thousands of miles from home fighting a, a war on principle against people who were like, no, this is our country, and we don't want to give it up again. So, like... It's a, like seriously, the Vietnam War was was is an interesting war to read about, mm. uh, and it's fascinating to travel around here and visit places like the Coochie Tunnels, and you know go up to Hanoi and visit the Hanoi Hilton and stuff. So, yeah, tough people, very tough people. Uh, I can imagine. Um, how about how about you? How's your week been so far? Good. Well, it's so funny because normally when we record these intros, you have so much to talk about, and I'm like, I just worked, I did nothing. <laughs> um, but the flights that I have been talking about, I finally booked. Bam. Um, it took me, because remember how I said that, like, somehow it got, de- like, not declined. The payment didn't get de- declined, but, like, the order didn't get processed. I didn't have tickets. Yeah. I just, didn't have money. Yeah, they, yeah, that weird limbo. Yeah. So the money kind of came back in my account, and I found the same flights, which, 
in turn were a hundred dollars cheaper, which is very nice. <laughs> That's what we thought. That's what we were hoping was going to happen. Yeah, like the universe was looking out for you. But it still said it was unable to process, and I was like, oh. "Fuck! Did I just do this again? <laughs> Where my money is going to be on hold?" <laughs> and uh, but my money was still there. And I was like, oh, okay. okay, so I called Delta and shout out to Veronica at Delta. If you ever listen to this or if anyone knows of Veronica at Delta, she is fantastic. <laughs> she stayed on the phone with me for like an hour looking up flights, different dates, different times, like what would be the cheapest, like best way to go about it. Um, and just trying to find me the cheapest and quickest way to get um, a in the end, I ended up flying from L.A. straight to Croatia, and then I'm flying from Dublin back to L.A. So I still have to book a flight from Croatia to Dublin, but that'll be like 100 bucks. Oh, um, nice. But she stayed on the phone with me for ages. We finally found that flight, and she's like, oh, there's a... So the flight from L.A. to Croatia had a layover in Amsterdam, and apparently the wing, the, the portion that went from Amsterdam to Croatia had a schedule change on it. And so it wouldn't even mm. let her purchase it for me. And so oh. that she thinks was the issue when I was trying to do it online. And she's like, I have no idea why it's giving it to me as an option. If it's not going to let me book it like on the back end of things. And it shouldn't have given mm. you the option to book it either on their website, which was so weird. So that's what we had to like kind of go around. So we were trying different dates, different times in the end, she got her manager to like override something and see what the schedule change was. Uh, it was just that I'm arriving a half hour later than originally planned. Oh no. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I was finally able to book the flights and I've definitely got that like new flight booked glow. <laughs> Nice. Well, that's good. Some like some good news for you on the travel front. Yeah. So in July, I have a big trip planned. I'm so excited. Um, I've also got my friend here that uh, moved here from DC, and we're kind of starting to plan some little trips uh, around California. So that's exciting. Are you going to make it to Yosemite or um, Yosemite? I'm doing with my family in August, properly camping. But we might go Lovely. for. It's not that far of a drive here. So we might go for a day. Um, That's awesome. And, I love Yosemite. It's a beautiful park. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I love hiking there, hiking to like the tops of the waterfalls and stuff like that. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Or Ooh. if we're able to camp for a night, that'd be fun. And then we can, you know, hike one day, raft another day. I'm very... Oh, that'd be awesome. ...adventurous when I'm in Yosemite. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so... That's you, when, when I went to Yosemite, I, I ran into a bear. No, but I've done that a few times. Yeah. But did you physically course, run not, into it? <laughs> no, not physically. We, were, we went to see Sentinel Dome uh, at sunset for like some beautiful pictures, but forgetting that sunset means the sun is setting, so it's going to be dark when you're done. And we realized we had like a mile hike back to our car in the dark. Um, so I had my phone flashlight out, and we're like stumbling along trying to get back. And then we spot, you know, a, a young black bear yeah. hanging out in the woods. But of course, uh, the girl with me was from Maryland, so not not familiar with bears. And I'm from Australia, where everything can kill you, but nothing can eat you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're we're just like Jesus, and she runs one way, and I start going the other way, and then I have to go and get her and bring her <laughs> back the way that I'm running. And you know, we stumble through the dark, and like every tree, every bush, every noise is a cougar or another bear. Yeah. Um, and when we finally get back to our car, there's a ranger nearby, and we're like, "Yeah, we just saw a bear." And he goes, "Oh, you guys are lucky." 
And I'm like, yeah, because they're dangerous? He goes, no, you're just lucky to have seen one. That's cool. We're like, oh. He goes, you didn't feed it, did you? And we're like, no, what? No, we didn't feed it. He goes, good. Yeah, if you feed them, they just get lazy. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. I was thinking, you know, he was going to be like, oh, you could have died. He's like, no, the bears there are just so used to humans now at this point. It's actually kind of a little bit sad um, Mm. because there is a problem with people feeding, like trying to, you know, get pictures of them or like leave little trails of food to get them to come close to like all that stuff, Um, which is a great segue into what we're talking about today. Actually, Uh, wow. Did you plan that? I did not. I didn't know you were going to be talking (laughs) about bears. I always talk about bears. They're my third biggest fear. Is it because you kind of look like one? It, <laughs> I, I have been told that if I was in the gay community, I would be a bear. So, um, I don't, no, I should be comfortable then. Um, I just have this horrible fear of being eaten alive by something. And bears I are mean, one of the animals that will eat you alive. A valid fear, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, valid, but it's weird that mine's so prominent in my head. <laughs> but yeah, but no, but people feed them. And yeah, they do just because, so like no one's really scared of actually being attacked by bears. They're just like, stop fucking feeding them so that they stop coming down into the camps all the time. And then you do have to worry about one getting angry, you know, especially because they bring their young and then they're territorial. Uh, yeah. Because I've had that happen. Like we're just sitting around our campfire and like a mama bear and three cubs just like walk literally right next to us, right past us um, and start to go into the neighboring tent and our neighbor had his two kids sleeping in there. So he like runs over and just starts like, you know, you make yourself big and make a lot of noise and scare it away. Um, yeah, but I mean, again, segue. So that's terrible because today we're talking about bad behavior. (laughs) Uh, specific to traveling, obviously. Yeah. Specific to traveling tax evasion. That's another episode. (laughs) No bad behavior on vacation or while traveling. Um, yeah, so we're, that's a big one. We're going to get into a lot of that stuff, but real quick before we do that, um, have to do my little, please rate, review, subscribe (laughs) spiel. Um, (laughs) uh, if you're listening to us right now, just give us a little quick rating, um, or subscribe to us so you can always be updated on when new episodes are out and you never miss one. Um, tell a friend, about us that you think Air- will like us. Share it on your Instagram stories. Share it on Facebook. Airdrop this motherfucker. Yes, airdrop it. We've had a few more people airdrop it, which I love. I haven't seen the photos yet. I don't believe you. I posted one on our Instagram. I'll, I think, oh, okay. I think I've got another screen grab that I'll post. But yeah. I'll have to double check. This airdropping thing, man, it works. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. We started it. Um, and yeah, and send us messages comments like you know advice opinions feedback um hopefully the audio on this current one sounds way better because fingers are crossed we've got i've i finally figured out my end uh i just ended up buying a whole brand new mic and can i just put it out there your microphone looks (laughs) so much like a robot's penis and not like a, a sleek modern robot's dick like one like a 1920s steampunk kind of how they envision robot penises to look so guys when you're listening when you're listening to kate tonight picture her like close down to this glowing metallic 
phallus <laughs> spitting, spitting, spitting knowledge on the internet because it is a it is a sight to behold that new microphone. When this oh, when this episode comes out, I'll post a picture of it so you guys can all see what it looks like. <laughs> but it is so cute; it folds up on itself, so it's very portable. So then I can record this podcast from anywhere, um, which is the idea when we're traveling that we can still be recording. Um, but yeah, between my new mic and you finally getting your recording figured out, we should Fingers crossed have... this will be, this will, this might be the first week that my friend Milsey doesn't message me and says audio issues and then gives me a little list of things that he spotted. So I'm, I'm hopeful today will be crisp and clear. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, rate, review, subscribe, do it now, do it real quick, right on your phone, right this moment. We really appreciate it. It means a lot. And it makes you super awesome for doing it for us. Um, follow us on Instagram at comes with baggage pod. I almost blinked there. And uh, Twitter at CWB podcast. And, and face, Facebook's just comes with baggage podcast. Yeah. And um, you can email us at comes with baggage podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, we want people to send in questions um, or funny stories or whatever that we could. Ideas for episodes, things you want us to want to hear us talk about, yeah. you know, hit us up. Shout out to Megan, who is actually going to be our guest next week. She sends me people all the time that she wants us to interview. Oh, awesome. Um, so, well, I told her we're getting through them. We're getting through it one thing at a time. So this week we're not interviewing anyone. It's just the two of us. And we're going to talk about bad travel behavior, like faux pas, things you shouldn't do, the groups, the people who kind of give their home countries a bad name. We'll talk about what we've done that we've been guilty of, what we've observed, what groups drive us crazy when we're traveling. I think that's that's all the big ones, right? Yeah. And I do want to say at the top of this uh, episode, before we get into it, like this could ruffle some feathers. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're obviously going to kind of talk about some stereotypes of nationalities in other countries. And I just, like we understand that not everybody is like this. Um, it is going to mm. be more of a generalization of what we've witnessed and what you hear and what's been in the news and stuff like that. Um, we know not everyone is like this, but sometimes, you know, there's stereotypes for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Where there's I smoke, mean, there's there, fire. There are, defi- there are definitely groups out there, like, uh, like, and it's not necessarily even nationalities. You'd say it's like groups within a nationality. Like, I, obviously, we're going to touch on, you know, China's got this notorious reputation now for sort of people doing crazy things. Uh, getting kicked out of hostels for trying to sleep on the floor, pooping in fountains in in Europe. Obviously, that's not every Chinese person. Yeah, and it's not even it's not even every Chinese person. Like it's not even like just Chinese travelers. It's a very specific demographic within that, and we'll we'll t- we'll touch on that uh, a little. Um, but yeah, let's let's just launch into it. Let's let's stop uh, apologizing before we've done anything wrong. <laughs> well, I just like like just don't be sensitive, people. <laughs> Yeah, pour yourselves a, a big tall glass of concrete and prepare to harden the fuck up. <laughs> All right, where do you want to start? Uh, I guess you know. Let's. I guess let's start with let's let's be open and honest and let's cover the things that we have done that now we look back on as you know more seasoned travelers and go, oh god, I'm an asshole. I mean, definitely have been guilty of being like drunk in public and loud and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think there's not a millennial or Gen Y out there who ha- Gen Z Gen Z are out there who hasn't um, 
gotten a little bit shit-faced and, and embarrassed themselves. I once knocked the, the dividing fence down between lanes on a highway in China while drunk because I needed to get across the road and it was in the way. So I just, I just like kept throwing my considerable weight against it until it fell over. And there's photographic evidence because all my drunk friends were photographing me attacking this like six-foot-high metal fence so I could cross the road and get McDonald's at three in the morning. <laughs> Um, so sorry to the Nanjing provincial government who had to send people out to fix that the following day, I'm sure. Um, but yes, uh, there's mine. There's one of mine. I was a drunk asshole uh, and destroyed public property in China. Yeah, I mean, I think alcohol can be responsible for a lot of people's bad behavior when they're traveling. Like when you're traveling, you're, your inhibitions are lowered, your standards and your behavior are different. Like you kind of have this feeling of anonymity. And yeah. so you're more likely to engage in, you know, illegal activity <laughs> or and, and rude that behavior. Thing too. Yeah, and you get a big group of drunk people together, especially if you're all from the same place or from similar cultural backgrounds. You get this sense of invincibility, you know, like a big group. Like for another example, living in China, I was on a, a cricket team full of Aussies oh, yeah. and Brits. So like we'd get drunk and, you know, we weren't... I don't want to say we were obnoxious, but definitely we got the feeling that we were like, you know, un- unbeatable as this big group of loud Aussies and Welshmen. Yeah, and, it's mob mentality. And English and stuff. Yeah, you think you're, you know, you think that you're the center of the universe, and uh, and you know that can lead to some that can lead to some trouble. I've definitely I've definitely witnessed a few fist fights between drunk Aussies and drunk Chinese people. I've I've been to the police station, not. Me personally, I wasn't in trouble. I just went to support my six foot five Pakistani <laughs> friend who hospitalized a pair of guys who who dropped the N word in a fight with him. They called him uh, they called him the N word because he was in front of them in line for the toilet. Mm-hmm. So he hospitalized the two of them, and we had to go to the police station to clear that up. Jesus, so, yeah, that was a fun evening. I, I, the Chinese police system, I don't. It's it's a bit frightening, you know, when you're this naive young lad and you're like what's going to happen are we going to get arrested deported what nothing happened we my friend paid like a 40 dollar fine and then we left wow yeah but yeah um i mean you gotta you gotta top that i don't like honestly i've i've witnessed or been around a lot of bad behavior but like it's mine's just probably just being like drunk and loud i've have had sex in public <laughs> quite a few times <laughs> um in foreign countries any 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 important landmarks or is it usually more discreet than like the eiffel tower well oh god i can't believe i'm going to tell this story on here <laughs> <laughs> i just told the story of when i went to the chinese jail for the night. i had a boyfriend um an ex-boyfriend that visited me when I lived in Croatia and uh, for some reason we (laughs) took it upon ourselves to see how many different places we could have sex on the walk back from the beach to my apartment (laughs) at like I mean it was four o'clock in the morning so it was very dark there wasn't that many people out except for other drunk people walking back from the beach (laughs) Um, and I like to think that we were pretty discreet for the most part, <laughs> but we were also drunk. Um, but, you know, like someone's parked scooter, like that's not very oh, nice. God. Like it could have easily fallen over <laughs> and gotten broken. It didn't, but like oh, that was a risk. Have... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Poor person. They're riding around on that scooter right now going, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> 
Um, on the railroad tracks, up against a palm tree. Like Jeez random. Louise. Yeah, there was. We ended up thirteen different places. We had a, a list in like notes on our phone for the longest time. Was this was this just in the one evening, or are you talking over the course of multiple? No, in the one walks one walk, the, the one walk. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Um, Damn. Well, that I can't beat that. Uh, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tapping out. Yeah. So, <laughs> but otherwise, like I'm not. I'm someone that's pretty, like, I don't know. I don't like getting in trouble. I don't like conflict. I so like I kind of refrain from being like doing anything that is going to piss somebody else off. Um I think also the more I started running pub crawls and like when I'm run when I was running them and you're hurting a bunch of drunk people like you're responsible for all of these drunk people and They all acted like crazy bad behavior, but when you're living like you know you live there and you're going to see those locals again that they're annoying (laughs) like you try to keep people in line as much as possible and then that kind of just became ingrained in me yeah i can understand that i ran a pub crawl in in china as well and definitely hurting that big group of drunk people you start to get really hyper aware of how obnoxious you guys like when you're drunk you just think you guys are the the funniest nicest people on earth but when you're the sober one and you see someone reaching over the bar and taking a bottle and like passing it around a street yeah. and you're like oh god I've done like I maybe I haven't done that thing but I've been that person yeah and it, it's definitely I mean also age obviously I've become older and so therefore I'm less of an idiot in general I like this <laughs> but uh but definitely observing drunk people makes you aware how uh, how annoying drunk people are and how they don't think they are annoying at that time. So when you're drunk and you think you're being harmless, you're probably being annoying. Yeah. So. I mean, I think alcohol is just a big factor in general. I'm not, um, like, yes, age as well, but I've, I've also been on vacation where there's, like, you know, people in their 40s and 50s that are getting mm-hmm. drunk and being loud and obnoxious and rude um, to, like, especially Americans and Brits. Um, oh, yeah? For some reason, yeah. Like, and being rude to, like, wait staff and stuff like that. And just feeling very, like, or get, like, they they were just seeming, like, very entitled and very, I think when you're on vacation, you have this, like, not everybody, but, like, sometimes people have this feeling of, like, well, I'm on vacation, like, I should be getting and doing anything that I want because I'm paying for this vacation, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. They start, mm-hmm. it changes your behavior, to just not give a fuck how you're treating other people as much. I, yeah, I definitely think that is, that's generational because it's the same with, with uh, the older generation of Australian travellers and American and British um, where it's like, but we do it this way at home. Why don't you have X? Why is this not done the way I like it? And you get this real sense of, yeah, entitlement that I like to think the younger generation for all their many flaws, uh, <laughs> we're not as, we don't have that level of entitlement because, you know, we're travelling to multiple countries and seeing different cultures and understanding them. Whereas a lot of people, this is their one trip for, you know, one vacation of the year year. or or two years. And so they're like, no, I want it to be perfect. And it must be how I would like it to be at home, but but different, but not too different. Yeah. I mean, that kind of reminds me of like, also like, yeah, they want it to be different, but not too different. Like, cause it's just, sometimes they can go on vacation, not realize like you're in another country there's different food here. There's different way of doing things. Like they just want 
what they're used to. I'm like, what's the point of going on vacation just to have the same thing you could have at home? There's a really funny, right. have you seen the movie A Good Year? Oh yeah, I just watched that recently, the bird watching movie. No. Right? <laughs> There's one, co- okay, there is a bird watching movie called, oh no, it's The Great Year. Right. <laughs> oh no, this really is excited. just a good year. Like, oh, <laughs> um, it's not a great year. It's about, it's with, um, who's the guy from Gladiator? Russell Crowe. Thank you. I was going to say Russell Brand, and I knew that wasn't right. Very, very similar <laughs> actors. Um, Russell Crowe, he like inherits his uncle's um, wi- like vineyard, like winery in um, France, and so he goes to like yeah. try and sell it because he doesn't want it anymore. And then he, of course, like refixes it up and falls in love with it and decides to stay. But he's in France, and he's at this restaurant, and there it shows the two like. Like, they just, they exaggerated the stereotype, but I'm sure this does happen. Um, They show, like, an American couple, probably in their 40s, from, they have a southern accent, so they were definitely from, like, Georgia or Alabama or something like that. And the way that they were having them order food was just, like, like, I want a salad, and do you have low-fat ranch dressing? And, like, (laughs) obviously they're in France, and that's not going to be available, and I I'm not going to say, like, I'm, no one ever does this, but it's not, not all Americans are like that. Um, but, yeah, it just paints them in that light of, like, it's just that stereotype of Americans abroad of just, like, wanting exactly how everything is back home and, and not I will experiencing say that, uh, the culture that, that you're in. Yeah, I will say that one nationality I see this with a lot working in the tourism industry is... Uh, the older generation of Chinese are very similar with this. Like, they'll want to stay in a Chinese style hotel with Chinese food and obviously a Chinese uh, language speaking guide as a given that that's totally fine yeah but I just it blows my mind when like I was in uh, Sumatra in Indonesia and we're on this beautiful island cycling around and there's all these cute little you know jungly B&Bs and local homestays and then we come across this hideous like abomination of a resort it's just on like it's a lake beach but it's on the beach they've got this massive pontoon with speakers on it blaring out like like hard house i don't know why and there's there's like beach balls just floating around unattended and there's deck chairs and there's chinese food being served and it was just the loudest least like this island is famous for being serene and beautiful and it was just the least serene least beautiful place but it was you know that was, it was all, it was an entirely Chinese-run, Chinese-guested resort. And I was like, why did you come all the way here for this? Like, there's resorts like that in Sanya and in Xiamen. Uh It just, I don't know what the point of spending all that money to get to an obscure corner of Indonesia just to stay in a hotel you could have stayed in at home. That just it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people that... I, I understand, like, long-term traveling and occasionally wanting the comforts oh, yeah. of home. But, yeah, what's the point? I just don't... I guess, yeah, you're right. Like, long term, I'll, I'll have a hamburger. Jesus. One second. Throwing stuff around. The <laughs> no, the, the cats got into, the, into my uh, <laughs> bottles of beer. Um, I was going to say, like, long term travel, you do want stuff from home. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with splashing out for a night in a comfortable resort. Or, you know, if you've only got that one week off a year stay in a five-star resort there's nothing wrong with that yeah and we touched but, on that know, last week like yeah if you're if this is just your vacation like and you want to relax i understand that but you know try the local food before you decide that you need to only eat hamburgers and steaks every night you know if you're in vietnam try a little pho or a little cow or banh mi uh or you know 
I just that makes sense to me. And if you hate it, oh, you know, th- that's tough. But you you lived a little, yeah. you experienced it, and now you can go back to your bubble. Yeah. Well, there's also like certain places. Uh, oh, certain yeah. people in certain places. <laughs> like Australians in Bali. And Americans in Cancun. <laughs> and Brit, Brits in, I, I, I know it was Ibiza, I don't know if it still is, Mal- but that, that's definitely Malaga the, or... Yeah. Yeah. Or Crete. There are certain... Yeah, there are certain places I just avoid as an Australian. Like, I've been to Bali, it's it seems beautiful, but I have no interest in spending time there because, not because of Bali, but because of the the crowd it attracts from Australia. And the same is true of Phuket in Thailand. Quite a beautiful area, but ruined by over-tourism from Australia. Uh, Fiji gets a, a bit this way. Thankfully, Fiji is like the, one of the nicest places on earth. So, you know, drunk Australians can't spoil that. Um, but I'm sure it's the same for you. There's just places that, you know, you might have wanted to go to as a 19-year-old, but now you're a little older and wiser and you're like, I do not want to be surrounded by, by the spring break crowd or the gap year crowd. Yeah, I mean, I think it does... It is places that are like resort towns or party towns. Like that's gonna pull a certain, attract a certain type of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people are gonna be ones that want to get drunk and party and have a good time. And because of that, bad behavior ensues. And it's weird because they make so much money for the town, but often the local population even though they need tourism to survive now because it's become their main industry, there's a great deal of like discontent and frustration with their reliance on tourism, but they can't change it because that's their thing now. But at the same time, they don't love it, you know, and you get this clashing where if you've ever been to places like Phuket's a good example. I love Phuket. I've been a few times, but there's definitely a level of animosity between some locals and the tourist crowd. Not all, you know, those who are benefiting directly love it, but there's definitely the scowls and the troublemakers and stuff because they see, you know, their town being kind of turned into a theme park and that's not really what they want. Yeah, absolutely. It's sad. I mean, a lot, a lot of places are starting to change the rules now too, though. I was reading some articles Mm -hmm. and prep for this uh, episode and there's a lot of like, you know, about certain countries taking action into their own hands and enforcing rules and more rules and regulations to prevent bad, like bad behavior, especially in a lot of more rural places. So like I know in Mm -hmm. Iceland, um, when people go to visit like the hot springs and stuff like that, um, there was just people like using, like defecating, like using the bathroom, um, in weird places, like just in nature and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's people's thought of like, this is a natural substance. It'll just decompose and go away. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Um, and I think a lot of that also comes from a country not being prepared for the influx of tourism they're getting. Cause so, like, you know, every year a different country becomes like the oh, place yeah. to go. It's Jordan. It's Oman. It's, it's the Canary Islands. There's always something that gets hugely popular out of nowhere. Yeah. And, so I feel like the country's not prepared for it, and then all of these people come, and that's you know you have people leaving their litter everywhere, or using the toilet outside, or um, it's uh, there was an article that Switzerland has even it, like because of rude, loud Chinese tourists, they now ha- Chinese they have to take a separate train 
<laughs> oh lord, wow. Yeah, poor China gets a lot of, of bad press. And it's frustrating because having lived in China, they are, you know, the Chinese generally are, are like some of the nicest people I've known, very warm and welcoming. But there's just a certain demographic of, and it is in their case that they're equivalent to the boomers, they had nothing. You know, like they didn't have money or freedom and now they do. You know, China's getting to becoming quite affluent. So suddenly there's this, this outpouring of people who have money but who haven't had a lot of world experience yet. So all they know is, is their life in China. And their life in China wasn't necessarily the bustling cities like Shanghai. It might have been rural China where it's totally normal to spit on, on the ground or for your yeah. kid to just stop in the middle of the street and go to the toilet. That's a very common sight in China. A kid, like they'll have split pants so that their butt is always exposed. And if they need to go, they'll just stop and squat on the side of the road or on the path, or they'll hold them over a garbage can. Now, that's, you know, it's a little jarring, but that's just what happens there, and it's no one else bats an eyelid at it. Yeah. But what happens is a country gets money, and it gets this freedom to travel, and people go out, and they haven't learned enough about the world yet to know how to interact with it. And this is where, I mean, 50 or 60 years ago, you had the ugly American uh, you know, there's that stereotype from the 80s of Japanese tourists with their cameras taking photos and being obnoxious. And now, I think it, I don't think there's anyone I know who doesn't welcome Japanese tourism. They're some of the most polite, respectful people you'll ever meet. Um, and it's just it's China's turn right now. Like China is the country that's just ha- going to have to wait for their younger generation, who are very respectful when they travel. I find to to like become the common you know common example rather than these older, less travelled people who don't understand yet yeah does that make sense yeah no that definitely does make sense it also and see it's frustrating to to bear witness to (laughs) as we wait for this evolvement to happen and it's going to be someone else in 20 years we'll all be complaining about tourists from a country you wouldn't have even picked you know like uh god who knows i don't even want to guess because i might throw the wrong country under the bus but there will be you know another china will chinese tourists will become more commonplace and become much more respectful and let's just say it's the people of bhutan because i know it's not going to be bhutan so i can say this (laughs) the bhutanese are suddenly the most they're carrying their you know they're they're everywhere and they're driving people crazy with their i don't even know what the bhutanese do (laughs) i've actually jumped ship just jump ship on this Um, well, no, but, yeah, but it'll, be, su- another it'll be another country. We'll all be annoyed. Yeah. It'll be another country. It won't be Bhutan. I've actually met like twelve Bhutanese people. Uh, they actually, we used to host them uh, when they came over to study in Australia. So actually, they're like the nicest, most polite, and quiet and respectful people I've I've ever met. Uh, so it's not going to be Bhutan, which is why I felt comfortable using them as an example. Well, <laughs> but it'll be a country, and we'll all be annoyed at them. And twenty years later, they'll be the ones complaining about the new country. It's just it's generational as people come into money. I think. Yeah. And and in turn of that, like hopefully, what like because the Japanese are seen as like the most respectful tourists. Oh, fan- I think fantastic tourists. I've never in like in my adult life had a, uh, had any problem or heard of a problem. Yeah. with uh, Japanese tourists, they're always great and quiet and well behaved, and it's very nice. And if everyone can just learn to be like them, <laughs> <laughs> including my own compatriots. Uh, I'd like Bali a whole lot more if you guys had just put a shirt on and stop stop screaming. Well, it's, and again, I go back to this, like, it's just because it's a party destination mm-hmm. now. So, like, the people that are going there are people that are not there to actually travel and see the sights and, like, experience the actual country. They're just there for a good time and to party and to let loose. And that is very the true. fact that you're taking that action in someone else's home is where that you know, 
respect gets lost mm-hmm. because Definitely. you're not recognizing that this is someone else's home where they live and it's, you have to find that, cause... you have to find that meeting, meeting ground, you know, like I understand people want to have a good time on their vacation. Oh, like yeah. I go to Mexico and I <laughs> have a great time and get drunk and, you know, but I'm super respectful and I love to like hang out with locals and chat with locals. And a lot of times when I go on vacation, I befriend locals and I ask them where they, like, I get the inside knowledge from them. Like, where do they go eat? Where do they go drink? Where do they go hang Hell out? Yeah. What, are, what are some sites you should see that are off the beaten path, you know? And then I go do those things and it's such a better experience. But if I was annoying and drunk and, you know, not to say that I haven't had those moments as well when I was younger. <laughs> On the back of someone's scooter. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, like, they're not going to be as open and friendly either. And they're not going to tell you (laughs) what places you should go eat and drink and give you their inside knowledge because they don't want you to ruin their safe spaces. Yeah. And funnily enough, the, uh, the worst behaved Australians I've encountered tend to be the same ones who, back at home, are angry at everyone who isn't Australian coming over. There's this weird like correlation between being like a complete rowdy asshole when you travel and being kind of a bigot when you're at home. It's strange to me, that's a, but I guess that's, it's, I think that's not just synonymous with Australia. I think that's the same here and probably the UK. Uh, probably everywhere. I mean, I don't know how the mindset is in other countries, but it could be, that's the case. The worst travelers are also the shittiest people back home. <laughs> um, Food for thought. Yeah. It's also hard though, because there are a lot of, things considered bad behavior in countries. And this kind of does mm-hmm. go back to like the Chinese thing a little bit, but things that are, aren't seen it like as bad behavior at home. And then you do them abroad and it turns out they're actually really bad behavior, you know, in another country you're visiting. And I think it is important to research these things because, you know, like not tipping in America is seen is seen as rude, but then oh, yeah. tipping in Japan is not part of the culture Very. whatsoever. Yeah, and that's a big one with with, uh, <clears throat> with Australians as well, is that we don't tip in Australia. We pay a very fair like living wage. Mm-hmm. So tipping is just alien to us. And there's this running joke in the African uh, tourism scene uh, where they say, what's the difference between an Australian and a canoe? Canoe tips. A canoe tips. can fucking tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, and I think it's changing. But I just recently travelling with my brother in the States, he the idea of tipping made him so angry. He's just, he was, he was furious. And I kept pointing out, you know, once you take the tip and the tax and add it to the price of the food, it's the same price as back home, essentially. Yeah. So it's not that, it's not that big a difference, but it, it made him so angry. He would, he wanted to tip 10% or 5%. And I'd be like, you don't do that. Yeah. But you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing that we're just going to have to wrap our heads. Well, around. and it also is to ensure that you get good service as well. Because and you do American service is the bomb. Yeah, because like that's something that like was eye opening for me when I moved to Prague. I remember being at this restaurant like the first or second day that I lived there. I didn't know anyone. I took myself out to eat, sat right on the river by the Charles Bridge, so it was definitely a touristy place, um, yeah. purely on location. And I was shocked by how terrible the service was. But they don't tip there, so she didn't have to give me good service because she wasn't, you know, depending on 
at, at like me liking her and tipping her extra money on top of what the bill was. Mm-hmm. I was having yeah, to like flag her down to get her attention to come take my. I like had to flag her down every single time I needed something, and to her it could have been like, you know, I don't want to bother you while you're yeah. eating. If you do, like, she could like to them it could be rude to come up and approach someone and be like, "How is everything? Can I get you anything else?" Blah 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 blah. Uh- that does my head in when I'm dining in the States. I like the attention to an extent, but I don't like being asked every five minutes, how is it? Well, no, I'm there like, is... If there's, a, if there's a problem, I will let you know, but thank you. Like... Yeah, but that's also, as someone that does work in the service industry, that is a thin line to walk because then you get people that... Because especially when you're serving other Americans that expect you to come over, so they will wait. And if it gets to the point where they do have to flag you down, like they consider it poor service that they had to come oh. to you. Interesting. So that's why. I mean, there's definitely a thin line. You shouldn't be asking a table every five minutes. Like, that would get fucking annoying. (laughs) That would annoy me. (laughs) And I work in the service industry. But having to constantly ask your server to come do something for you is seen as poor service, which is why we are so attentive. But yeah, it is like you do get better service because we are dependent on that tip. Whereas if you Mm -hmm. just pay someone a set wage... Which is, yeah, in Australia, I used to get paid way more money than I get paid here. Hourly. Oh, yeah. Um, but I wasn't getting a tip. So no matter what, you get the same paycheck. Mm-hmm. So, so do you prefer, this is a little off topic, but do you, would, would you be happier with a better minimum wage and no tips? Or would you be, are you happy enough with the current setup for you? I like the current setup because it does ensure quality service. Um, but what if they gave you a good minimum wage and they still kept tips? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I get paid nicely because I do a lot more. I get paid above minimum wage because I have a lot more responsibility at my job. Um, And I get tips. (laughs) So I do have that situation (laughs) and it is very nice. Um, It's also hard though. Like I will throw it out there like with. So if you went to a cafe where you ordered at the counter. Mm hmm. And you just ordered like a cappuccino or a flat white or something like that. What would you would you tip at all? Are we talking in America? In or America, Australia? sorry. Uh, uh, I would probably tip like a buck, like I would at a bar. Okay, well you're not the norm. Um, <laughs> I f- agree with that. I feel like oh, I can hear a kitty. <laughs> yeah, I just I just had to remove her from my shoulder because she was getting a bit glory. Because I in, in America at a bar. The general rule is like a dollar per drink. So whether it's a beer, maybe a little bit more for a cocktail, like two dollars. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like they're pouring a beer, pouring you a glass of wine, it's a dollar per drink. In a restaurant, a lot of times it's fifteen to twenty percent on top of the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, but at my work, because you tend you order at the counter and then you sit, so many people don't tip. Like our average tips. Really? For a day of sales, our average is like 7%. Wow. See, I feel like the, this would be much easier if when you flew into the States, you got your immigration card and you got like a guideline for tipping. Because it's it gets confusing. You're like, how much do I tip my porter? Do I tip the guy who I checked my bag with when I went out of the hotel this morning? Yeah. Do I tip Anything that's a service. Pouring me coffee. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It gets a bit crazy though, keeping track of it all. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, that's, that's a good example there, though, of a cultural difference that a lot of people from outside America consistently screw up. 
um, just because we don't we don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime we, that we, I have we, friends come to visit me, they are always like asking me for help. They're like, just just look at this. Tell me what to tip. <laughs> like you just tell me, <laughs> um, or I'll fill out like the credit card receipt for them. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it definitely confuses newcomers. Like I'm so used to it now, having been a bunch of times. But my brothers. You know, they were just so confused. Like, so wait, the credit card thing has a price. Yes. And then I have to fill out what I'm tipping and then add a price again. Yeah. Yes. So they'll charge my card twice. No, no, no. They won't charge it now. They'll charge it later. And it just, yeah. that alone sort of started, like, melted some brains. Yeah. But then in Japan, you don't tip at all. And it's not part of the culture. And I was reading something that said, like, don't even leave the smallest of change because people will come running after you when you leave the restaurant to give it back to you. Japan is just the the nicest and most polite and like well-behaved place. And obviously that's generalizing. There's obviously going to be elements that aren't that. But having traveled in Japan, uh, I hiked the Kamano Kodo for two weeks. So every day we'd walk, you know, anywhere between 10 and 20 kilometers. Uh, this is like a pilgrimage like the Camino. Yeah. Uh, and we'd be sweaty and dirty and we'd, we'd arrive at our gorgeous Ryokan and, you know, take off our shoes because that is the polite thing to do. And we would be trying so hard to be polite, but if there's one country in the world where I feel like a bull in a china shop, uh, it's Japan. I just feel like... And no one does anything to make me feel this way. I just notice how polite and clean everything <laughs> is. And then there's me just blundering. And they're, just, they're like smiling and, you know, saying it's okay. But I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm such a savage. <laughs> like, it is just... It's like... But that's what I love, though. Because you don't, don't... I've never been made to feel bad for, like, not knowing all the rules or the, the social norms in Japan. But at the same time, you just feel bad by comparison because you see how everything is just so well organized right down to, you know, how your meal is prepared and laid out in front of you. And then there's you, like, struggling to get it in your mouth with the chopsticks. Like, it's a fascinating place. Yeah, I mean, it's like you just have to research when you're going somewhere. What You do. Um, I think... Like, what are some other ones that you could think of, of, like... Some like something that's not rude, say in America or Australia, but is rude considered rude in other countries. You know, I can't think of one that way, but I can think of one the other way. Uh, in China, it's totally normal to tell someone that they're fat. <laughs> like it, it's and it's frustrating because their definition of fat. So the word uh, pan, uh, pan, pan, uh, just means not thin. Mm-hmm. So it, it applies to anyone who's not thin. So like I have a brother who's ripped. They tell him he's a little fat. I am a little fat. The morbidly obese guy is a little fat. Basically, if you're not skinny, you're fat. So it makes perfect sense to them to be like, oh, yeah, hi, teacher, you are tall and a little fat. But, of course, as a Westerner, you're like, how dare you point out that obvious physical flaw? Um, it's, and it's just so jarring. I had to like train and retrain my students. I'm like, okay, you can tell someone they're tall. You can tell someone they're short. You can tell someone they're skinny. You can't tell someone they're fat. They're like, Why? And I'm like, it's just, it's just, it's not nice. Do you like hearing it? But I am fat. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, it's the same in Mexico. So like Mexicans have a, like they, they have a big sense of humor, um, and Mm -hmm. nothing is out of bounds for them. So like, they will mock you, they will insult you. They will like, but it's, but it's like a lot of good fun and good humor to them. Like it's normal (laughs) for them to like give you a hard time about something. Um, and like tease you for things. And I see it a lot in like, well, from when I lived there and they'll, they're mm. very blunt and it's like, oh God. yeah, I wouldn't survive there. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, you look a little tired today. <laughs> like have too much to drink. Like your skin's looking terrible <laughs> or like, they're oh just God. very straightforward. <laughs> it's kind of like 
It's kind of like something like, you know, a 90-year-old woman would say to you because she just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> so, you know, oh, they just, like, yeah, say whatever's yeah. on their mind. You've put on weight, son. Thank yeah, you. that's, like, how <laughs> Mexicans are. Um, oh, God. But it's just their sense of humor as a culture. Um, yeah. And then, like, I was going to say, there was another one. With, like, Germans, they don't like people, like to be overly friendly because they like to warm up to you. And I know this is also the same for Czech people. Uh, and uh, I found this with Russian and Ukrainian people as well. Yeah. Uh, you, you're like, you're, you're nothing and then you're good friends. But there's no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, I feel like most of my Ukrainian friends, it was like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I will kill someone for you. Yeah. There was no, like, gradual change. Yeah, and it's hard, especially coming from a country, like, that's, I mean, I can only speak for Americans, but like we're very friendly. And it's like, but it's like a social false friendliness. Yeah, it's like a how do I put it? It's not. The, it's like a false friendliness, though. You know what I mean? Like it's skin deep. It's it's friendly, but you don't necessarily bond in that friendliness. Does that make sense? At least in Australia, I feel like we're very like, hey, how you doing? But you don't. You're never going to give an honest answer to that. How you're doing? Like, well, no. I mean, if that it. takes over time, but we're going to mm. be smiley and happy with you until we get to that point um i had a really that's part of the reason i had a really hard time living in prague is because czech people were just so cold and i was just like i feel like it would like bring my mood down because i'd be in a good mood and so i'd be like hey how are you you know like yeah i would be joyful and they just like look at me side-eyed and skeptical (laughs) and i'm like okay never mind one I encountered in living in South Korea, and I, I cannot remember the words for this. I'm sorry to those who try to teach me Korean. But the, like, the age of someone is super important, even between friends. If someone is older than you, you're supposed to pour their drink. Uh, and you're supposed to speak to them more respectfully. Which, obviously, it made sense to me if they were an ajuma or an ajashi, like an old person. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it was my boss. But I'd be out drinking with like Korean friends who I'd seen vomit. I'd seen them try to hit on girls. Like, I'd seen them at their worst. But they would get so angry if I was like, I'm not pouring you drink, pour it yourself. They're like, but you're younger than me. And I'm like, so? Whoop-de-doo. And it, but it was, it was funny. Even like the best friends, that, that, matters, like that mattered to them. I don't know if that was just a thing in the city I lived in or if that's a whole cultural thing. Koreans, please let me know. But yeah, I got in so much trouble. Yeah. Oh, there was another one with Germany. <laughs> I liked this one. Don't stare because apparently you appear either uneducated or mentally ill. <laughs> I like that thing. See, and people say German people can't be funny. That I think that's great. Yeah. Um, or you know, like I don't know if I can't remember if Australians are like this, but you are a Commonwealth country, so maybe. But you know, like uh, if you do the peace sign, like whether it's forwards yeah. or backwards in America, like you just like throw up two fingers, like peace out, you know. But, oh, yeah, no, no, never backwards. That's fucking Yeah, which I didn't know that <laughs> when I first lived in London. And <laughs> So you're just flipping people off all over well, the no, place. Well, no, I mean, I don't, I'm not throwing up two fingers all the time. Like, I don't, I, I very rarely me. say peace. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not but a, you're I, not, I just did it, like, situationally for something, and someone was like, what are you doing? Like, that's the middle finger here, basically. And... So yeah, so if you have two fingers but held with the back of your hand outwards, that's considered yeah. basically their version of the middle finger. And what's the story? It's like the bow pulling fingers during a war or something. I I have no, and that actually might be the case, but I don't know because we 
Australia, while descended from the British, have had no wars that we fought with bows. Yeah, so I think there was something, translated. or it's like trigger finger, or so, like the finger. It's but those two fingers were used for some sort of weapon I mean, it, in a war. It, it wouldn't French... make sense with a bow, I guess. That would be what you'd pull back the uh, the arrow with. I, I know, but think. I don't think it was a bow and arrow war. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> They've had so many wars. Britain, maybe just it was. Angry, there's a lot of anger but there. But the French, apparently, when they used to capture them, would chop off their two fingers. And oh, so God. it became this insult of, like, you'd hold up your two fingers and be like, fuck you, I still have my two fingers. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, that's not as common. Like, we know that one. Like, we wouldn't do the two I fingers, definitely not did like not know that thing. one. <laughs> one, that, one that throws a lot of people when they visit Australia is, is the C word. Uh, yeah. Because we will use it as both a term of endearment and the worst insult you can give someone. And it, it's all down to context. But yeah, you, I've been called that many times. I had like a year of my time in university where my nickname was literally Cunt Features. Because <laughs> um, I, I had a shitty goatee. And also because I was in a play where my first line was, G'day, Cunt Features. And everyone's like, that's your name now. And so I had to live with that. Um, which, you know, scandalized my mother. But it's weird because in America, that's just a no. That is, you, you do not say that, say that word here. It is not I think it's, like My mum wouldn't say it. I mean, yeah, I think it's starting to become a little less scandalized. Um, and I don't know if that's because of more people traveling. And so, you know, the more something is heard or used, like the more, I don't know. It loses its power. Yeah. I, I, I definitely remember God being little and telling my mom, I was like, I think I was like six and tattling on someone to my mom and saying that they said the C word. And my mom was like, what? And like, oh, freaked out. Wow. and I just meant the word crap. <laughs> um, oh, bless. And she's like, what word? And I like, I said it. And she's like, I remember my mom just like laughing and I was like, oh, that's apparently not that bad of a word. But for a six-year-old, like, that's cussing to say crap. Um, I... <laughs> but I remember, like, I definitely, it's, you don't even say it here. Like, it's the C word. And, like, you never say it I... unless you're pissed off at someone. But then when I moved to Australia, I got so used to it. And I actually, mm-hmm. when you look into, like, the etymology of the word, like, and the history of it and everything, like, it's actually quite a powerful word. And I quite like it. <laughs> I love, I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm an unabashed fan of the word. Um, and I very rarely use it as an insult. It's usually used as a term of endearment yeah. with my friends. Although I have been known to shout it on a road here in Vietnam when someone cuts me off. I might, <laughs> I might have thrown that out. Yeah. Um, but they don't, but the beauty is they don't know that word. So it's, to them, it's just another, I have a white person making loud noise in their direction. <laughs> and they just keep going with their day. Yeah. I mean, it's, but you definitely would not want to say that too much in the presence of if you're traveling throughout America because people I said it in the states and the bar went quiet yeah <laughs> it's it's like a no no here for sure um what a <laughs> go ahead sorry oh I was just gonna say what a I know we're getting close to wrapping up so what a pleasant note to end on I think this is the third episode where the c word has been a topic of discussion <laughs> this is probably the most limelight it's given it's been given though well, we're going to rename the blog to Cunts with Fashion. <laughs> that's what, that's what we're, we're aiming for. And it's just going to be about two, two good friends who have baggage and yell, which is pretty much the premise now. But and occasionally the travel. Market. We're rebranding it for the Australian market. <laughs> oh, God. I have met actually quite a few Australians, though, that don't like that word either. And I don't know if it's from them 
they're probably Victorian. <laughs> oh, soft I people. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's maybe like a generational thing as well as the Quite more possibly. like are young people using it as much as older generations have. I think there's the divide is between uh, like the city and the country. It's I, it, it's very very common uh, out you know in the less. Bogan cosmopolitan areas in the more Bogan areas I feel like you're going to get it so where I grew up Queensland the whole state yeah <laughs> um, yeah but I think you know Sydney uh, I definitely think it was less I heard it less living in Sydney unless I was out in like western Sydney where that's basically just rural Sydney <laughs> sorry punch yeah <laughs> well main takeaways I guess from this episode like um, you know basically people on holiday that are just drunk don't just just don't get drunk and be rude in other countries. Recognize that it's... Yeah, do a little research. That it's someone's home that you're in and treat it as such. And, like, that's not to say don't have a good time where you are, obviously. But there's just a level of respect that needs to happen. Is it, is it wrong that I want to say that the moral of this episode is just basically have fun but don't be a cunt? Yeah. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Which people need to, yeah, definitely learn how to do. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch base on? I think, I think we've covered it. I think I've hit my quota for the year, so I'm not allowed to drop that word again till Christmas. No, I think that's it. You know, like obviously if you're listening and you've got some fun stories about poor behavior you've witnessed or poor behavior you've, you've had, feel free to let us know and we can discuss it, discuss it a little bit more uh, in a future episode. Cause there's always going to be bad behavior. There's always going to be some crazy thing that's happening. Um, but yeah, I think the main takeaway is just, you know, do a little research uh, you don't need to be flawless because I don't think anyone expects you to to know every single social expectation. But I think it's not hard to do the research and be like, oh, okay, so I'm visiting a majority Muslim country. I'm going to cover my shoulders and I'm not going to be overly physically affectionate in public. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm not, not having sex in public in those countries. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, when we lived in Tanzania, Rochelle got used to just, she had a scarf that she'd wear over her shoulders mm-hmm. and over her, her cleavage. Uh, and I didn't have to do anything like that, which is a horrible double standard, I know. But if I were in a place where that was expected, I would have also, you know, done what was required to be respectful of the local tradition. Yeah. Um, well, we were going to play a game of Never Have I Ever. Bad do we have behavior time? edition. <laughs> We've got a couple minutes, but I don't... I kind of told my story and then that was part of my Never I Have I Ever. <laughs> yeah, that's like, the, that's like your biggest one. Uh, we could do a quick, we could do like a quick two, one each, like, oh, sorry, two each or one each, whatever you want I'm to do. just going to have to think of these off the top of my head, though. I, right, poor I'll, planning, I'll go you go first. first. Then. I was going to do the one that you've already admitted to, uh, but uh, never have I ever, um, let's go easy, done drugs in a country where you're not supposed to do drugs. I think we can, if, if I had a beer, I'd be drinking it. Because, I mean, my own country, it's... I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I've, I have done illegal drugs. <laughs> so, yes. If my mum is listening, I've only ever ever tried marijuana. That's it. I've, I'm, a, I'm completely pathetic on that is front. Is that true? Or very good. Is that true? Or are you lying because you your mom's listening? No, no. That's, I don't think my mom's listening. But no, that's true. I've actually only ever, ever done weed. Uh, like, ever done. I've only ever smoked <laughs> I've weed. I've only ever <laughs> done the weed. <laughs> I've only ever done the marijuana. Uh, no, it's, I'm, I'm honest. I've just never, never had the opportunity or the inclination. So, uh, yeah, weed is about the extent yeah, of it. Yeah, I've got, um, got a few past that. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I think most people have. I think I'm probably one of the few people on Earth in my age bracket who could be like, I've only ever, only ever tried this one thing. Yeah, I mean, there's um, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Actually, my roommate, he's your age, and he's never done anything. Whoa, okay, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, also, now he has a job where he gets randomly drug tested, and if he has anything, he gets fired. <laughs> so Okay, well, yeah, that's a pretty good motivation to stay, to stay um, um, clean. Okay, well... I'm I'm just gonna throw mine out there that never have I ever had sex in public, and I'll be drinking. But I want to know if you drink. <laughs> uh, yes, I would. Uh, this, on the side of a highway in rural Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> yeah. You were Idaho. Yeah, you know it's it's a it's a uh, it's a romantic state. What can I say? Um, no, that's about as adventurous as I've as, oh like beaches, I guess well, that that counts. Beaches are the nothing worst. as adventurous as the streets of Prague, but oh, it was Croatia. <laughs> I don't think oh. I've ever had sex in public in Prague. Um, never have I ever been in a fist fight. Well, I have, but I'm putting this out to you. Um, I have never been in a fist fight as a like attendant of the fight. <laughs> um, but <laughs> well, like as like one of the main people in the fight. But I, oh, just, I like... am someone that stupidly, especially when I've been drinking. Um, tries to stop them and get, throws oh. myself right in the middle of stopping them, which is <laughs> stupid. Well, all, well, it's it's also dangerous. it's dangerous, but it's also a point of like also because I hate fights. I hate fighting. I think they're stupid. I also hate them. So especially working pub crawls, like stupid drunk backpackers used to try and start fights with like locals, and Ugh. that would infuriate me. And also Croatian guys, have you ever seen them? They're fucking scary, and they can definitely put you in the hospital and all of those croatian guys probably have friends somewhere nearby that will come help them whereas you're just yeah never a good idea to pick a fight yeah with where you're just like by yourself with your two mates that you're traveling with like you're not gonna yeah. not gonna really have uh a lot of leeway here and so i would kind of get involved to try and stop them and i have been hit once and that stopped the fight Damn. real quick because uh, i bet my adrenaline, wants to be that person my adrenaline went through the roof and I just started screaming at him, like, you know, you just fucking hit a woman. And he stopped oh. in his tracks instantly. <laughs> and everyone Jesus. just kind of stopped. <laughs> and I'm, like, screaming in this kid's face. And, um, yeah. I mean, it stopped the fight. And I didn't I didn't get hit hard. Like, it, he kind of just brushed me. Um, uh. But, yeah, my when my adrenaline goes through this, I, like, threw him up against a wall. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I was not a participant in the fight, but I... In, Involved myself in it in the end to try and stop it. Fair. Um, but no, I hate fighting. I think it's so stupid, especially in a foreign country when you're picking fights with locals. Mm-hmm. Dangerous, um, yeah. yeah. All right, you got the last one, and then I think we need to wrap it up. Yeah. I think. Um, have you had all that? You had all that time. Have you puked person, in public <laughs> in a foreign have I country? Puked in public. <laughs> I've puked in public in I think, almost every country I've been to, not Vietnam. And left it there? But, uh, oh yeah, no, I didn't bring it with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, if you know this, Australia, it's not uncommon to do something known as the power spew, where you've had a lot oh, of drinks, yeah. but you want your night to Puke continue. Puke and rally, so quickly, we call it. Yeah, you know, slip a couple of fingers down the back of your oh. throat, clean it up, and then keep going. So yes, uh, I've definitely thrown up in a urinal in a Chinese McDonald's. But that's uh, at least still in a toilet. On the side of the road. 
It's no, that's so disrespectful. Don't, don't throw oh, in a urinal. urinal. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. It doesn't flush. It just builds. Yeah. Like, it's the grossest thing. I, I, I'm ashamed that I did that. Um, yeah, no. But yes, of, of course. I, I have th- thrown up in many a. I've tried very difficultly to get to trash bins when this when I get that overwhelming oh. feeling. I don't always make it, but I do my best effort. Because I used to remember walking home and through towns and just, oh, especially yeah. here, even in Slow, because it's a college town. And a, yeah. I've gone to work and there's puke all over the patio at work. Ugh. And you have to clean it up in the morning. And it's just not fun for the businesses to deal with. No. Make no, it to no, make no. it to the street no, no. or. <laughs> Get to a, yeah, a, a gutter uh, yeah. or something, you know. Uh, definitely. All right. Um, I think that about wraps it up. We are not angels. I think so. And no one's a fucking angel when they travel. But try to be better, people. <laughs> and and hopefully I, we, there's no nationality out there that's just gunning for us <laughs> now. I, but Bhutan, I, you know I love you and I was just I, joking, I think please. we were most harsh on Americans and Australians, so. Well, it's it's kind of like that thing. It, it, it's easier to do. It's safer yeah. to do that. No one's going to be like, well, you're just racist against Australians. I'm like, well. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell your friends about us, guys. Thank you for listening. Share us on your stories. Follow us on all of the places we told you at the top of the at the top of the podcast this week. And next week we'll be back with another interview. And I'm super excited about this. We're interviewing my friend Hello Megan O on Instagram. Um, she is a study abroad advisor. So if you awesome. are interested in studying abroad as a way of traveling while you're at university, um, you'll want to listen and tune in. Sounds good. I'll be there. I hope so. (laughs) All right, guys. See you next Tuesday. See you guys.